Welcome. My name is Thomas Steininger. I welcome you to Re-Evolve, our international broadcast for consciousness and culture. I'm very happy to have as a guest today Tom Habib. Tom, uh, you are here on the line? Yes, I am. Good evening, good Frankfurt. Good morning. Uh, uh, good, mo good, good morning to you uh, in California. It's great to have you. Uh, Tom Habib, you are a cl clinical psychologist specializing in couples therapy. You are a pioneer in using an integral lens to explore and understand intimate relationships. And you have written about couples' lines of development and presented your work in the integral theory and integral European conferences. You appeared also on the Daily Volvo with Jeff Salzman. So you are very uh, engaged in the integral uh, sphere about couple development. And we wanted to talk with you about what it means to have mature relationships. I have with me here also my life and teaching partner, Elizabeth DeBold. Uh, we are together doing this work here in Frankfurt. Hello, Thomas. And hello, Tom. In fact, it was Thomas. Good morning, Elizabeth. Yeah, good to see you. It was Hear you. you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Tom, it was your idea to basically saying, hey, when we're talking about couple relationship, why don't we uh, just go into it in our own uh, personal uh, uh, relationship and uh, talk about this? First, if I may ask you, um, as a therapist and as an integral uh, informed uh, researcher, What is um, the contribution of integral theory to your work with couples? That's a good question. Is Before I learned integral, is I was doing things. I didn't quite understand why I was doing it. But it was I was meeting the need that was in front of me and responding to what the couple needed. So to give you an idea of that, You know, whether I was taking on their fantasies about what marriage is and what marriage isn't, or whether I was structuring how they problem solve, how they give and take, what kind of boundaries they have, um, I was responding to those different needs, you know, including individually. What about their developmental history is helping their ability to connect and inhibiting it? And those people that are in integral understand that I was looking at all four quadrants. And of course, the one I'm missing is especially during conflict, responding to the physiological response of conflict. John Gottman, some people may be aware of, said that when a couple is fighting, they look like their body is at a war. I mean, they're, they're, they're breathing shallow, their heart rates up. And he always says, think, they can barely breathe. So the complexity that emerges as we try to do this thing called intimacy, we try to reach that mature level of intimacy, is much easier said than done than to be able to enact. So when I started reading Integral and discovering it, all of a sudden I had a, a lattice, a structure, if you will, to organize everything I was doing. Mm -hmm. So part of what you're saying is that you you saw that that the way that that couples engage with conflict changes over time or changes with development or or is it that that we often get 
I, I think the, the word is often hijacked, hijacked by our amygdala and pulled to lower levels of functioning in, uh, in, in intense conflict situations and in, in intimate relationships. Absolutely. It's both of those, as you said, Elizabeth, is um, even up until the uh, relational stage, the third stage that I can review really quickly, um, the amygdala, the physiological reaction, feeling the desperation that couples feel when they don't feel affirmed or understood, and the overreaction to that, you know, is, is a very Maslonian response to safety and security when it can be the most minor issue, and we've all experienced, I'm sure you've experienced, it's the principle of the issue that becomes paramount and we all have an emotional reaction to. So occasionally I melt down um, on a small issue, depending upon how stressed I am and worn out or feeling lonely or whatever it is. But the awareness of that really does help. Mm. Yeah, so how, how does your... How does your, how do you respond to your partner or how does your partner respond to you in, in, in those, in those moments? Um, it's like, what, 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 what frame are you holding in the relationship at, 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 at those times? Um, there's several aspects to that frame. Like I, I place Christine, Christine's my wife and I at the third stage solidly with capabilities of floating up in the first love that we can get into later on. But in the third stage that came online in the mid sixties, you know, where it's based on mutuality and equality and the cream rises to the top. Um, the other structures that are in that is the ability to problem solve. Mm. So the ability for one person to raise an issue and to recognize when that person's in that state of need, I can't go there also with them. Mm-hmm. That at that point, I can only do two things. I can reflectively listen, or I can agree to whatever she's asking for. That's mm-hmm. it. Because that sequencing of give and take, I'm basically describing, and that consciousness during those times of intensity organize it so it doesn't degenerate into a lot of expression of painful feelings, which a lot of couples do very easily. Sure. Thomas, would you, would, would you mind, maybe Tom should go through the stages of yeah. this, the couple, the couple's line of development, kind of do give us a quick tour. Cause I think that that will give people a, a kind of grounding and context for what you're saying even now. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And this will be a, a quick tour. Um, there's a lot of videos online, as Thomas said, uh, on the Daily Involver and whatnot. You can get a deeper dive into it. So um, starting at, the, we all fall in love at the safety and attraction stage. And this is a wonderful stage. You know, it's all based on sensation, and sexual feelings, emotion, um um, yeah. We're here. You're still here. Okay. And it's a wonderful stage. You know, we're hoping against all hope that it never ends. But the problem with this stage is it's based more on projection of our ideal. Um, you know, we're imagining love more than we're empathically connected to the person we're in love with at this stage. And it's reality he becomes non-communicative. 
she's irritable about something, you know, for a moment. Um, he's less than perfect in many ways, which is the reality of the limitations we all have to live with. And that ends the safety and attraction usually in 30 to 90 days. But we love that stage because it seems so effortlessly um, easy to do, but it's not really based on reality yet. And then we're thrown into the second stage, the role stage. And mm-hmm. this is where the work begins. We have to begin to learn how to function as mother, father, husband, wife, uh, partners, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is. Now, if you're young, a girlfriend and boyfriend, you're going to walk out of the relationship because the loss of that wonderful feeling of safety and attraction in the first stage, you're not going to be able to tolerate. You still, you still believe in the cultural messages that it's possible. Um, one more thing about the first stage safety and attraction <coughs> is, do you notice how most of the romantic movies stop there? Mm-hmm. Have you seen that before? Right. Absolutely, yeah. That's when the story's all over. <laughs> right. And and they, they, you can see how they're playing on our collective fantasy to be able to really live at that stage. And if you look at a lot of the advertising and a lot of the cultural imagery, it really suggests that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Can, I, yes. can, I, can I say, say something Please. here? I mean, it's interesting because wow. even when I was a girl, you know, uh, girl, a young, a teenager, 17, 18, 16, 17, 18, I Mm -hmm. found that so strange. I found, I found the, the, the idea that that like the forties movies where you would have, uh, Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart or Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, where they would have a physical chemistry and immediately it was quote love and, and that, and they, they, they knew each other, or then they knew they were for each other, and so on and so forth. It made no sense to me because I thought they don't even know each other. So it, it's it's funny. And Thomas and I knew each other for seventeen years before we started an intimate relationship. Interesting that you're saying that because I have to say, when I was a teenager, watching the same movies that you, uh, it did make sense to me. <laughs> uh, it, it, made, it made complete sense to me, and. Uh, uh, it was just uh, how how you make relationships. You you find your match, and you 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 find the other role, and you uh, you're looking for this perfect role that uh, that is a fit with you. And when when I saw it on screen, it was it was just the right thing to do. That's funny. Well, it's further evolution uh, evidence of Elizabeth's advanced evolution. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Because if you were able to see that at a young age, that's quite impressive. Um, that it didn't really make sense. But uh, I think it's even more difficult for men mm. because, you know, with testosterone, and I love David Data's work in this area of, you know, it, it, it makes it so difficult for men to see beyond that physical attraction, mm. pay attention. Um, and plus we haven't had masculinism yet that more mm-hmm. men are going to get real about women. So either way or the other way, we're going to end up in the role stage, and we end up with this set of subtle disappointment and these, these two persistent fantasies that other people get to live there, 
and I might have picked the wrong person. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and how not, with the culture constantly putting forth the possibility of that, mm-hmm. looking in the wrong direction, of course we're going to have those fantasies. So in working with couples, I'm always aware of that, uh, you know, going after those types of things. And um, at these stages, especially at roles and relational, sometimes I tell couples, um, love is not a constant. The only constant is commitment. And you can feel people play linguistic gymnastics with them and they go, I, um, I love the person, but I'm not in love with them. Mm-hmm. And I think they're right. trying to nuance that difference out. Do you get that feeling too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, very much so. So they're aware of the change. And because there hasn't been a couple line that provides a map and helps us organize, you know, it's a very intimate experience. Um, we spend so much time in conflict around this and not knowing where the real connection lies, you know, as we get along down the road. Mm-hmm. So quickly moving on. If it's okay. Yep, it is. So stage three is relational. As I said previously, that didn't come online until the 60s. With those people that are uh, familiar with spiral dynamics, it correlates exactly with the green level or Mm postmodernism. And the beauty of that stage is the goal becomes equality so that uh, each person's skill level can rise to the top and the relationship can benefit from each person's contribution. And so at this stage, we're really doing flexible roles. The communications work in, there's reciprocity. If I can get most couples in therapy to this stage, I call it a day. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Coming in at a conflict ridden role stage, the second one, and they want to get to the relational level. And they're usually so exhausted at that point, you know, because of the wreckage that we have to clear off. Um, do, do you remember Rumi's quote on this subject? No. no. Um, he said, and if I can find it real quick, your task is not to seek love, but to merely seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? In the 13th century, you figured that out. Mm-hmm. Exactly what we're doing is what do we hold, you know, that prevents us from really seeking that connection, that deeper level connection. And that's which begins to show up even more so when we start to broach into first love. Um, you know, that we space that I know you two work on quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, that, that's your fourth stage? Yeah, that's fourth stage. Mm-hmm. First love. And the, one of the ways I like to introduce that stage is imagine a hypothetical situation where you're sick. And you're really in bed, you're sick as ever, the children are downstairs, and your neighbor comes over, they, they cook you some lunch, they take care of the children, they vacuum, they do a load of laundry maybe, they do a run 
to the uh, drugstore to get your medication. Your gratitude for that neighbor and your desire to reciprocate with full intention would be through the roof. I mean, that's a great neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right. But the way we use that is that's what our spouse does day in and day out. They have dedicated their life to build a joint life with you um, and to move down the road and to keep persevering even under difficult circumstances, you know, whether they're difficult circumstances external to the relationship or internal. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that for people that have individual practices where they learn how to live in growth, centering, the abundance, uh, we know that that needs to show up in intimacy. It, is it, it's, it's a focus on the good. It's really making contentment be what is felt the vast majority of time. So it's kind of like the difference between, well, contentment is always available. Happiness is a little more fleeting. And I like to equate happiness with a really good belly laugh where your eyes are watering. And I mean, those are wonderful moments, that type of laughing and people that get us there. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen a lot. Uh, there's certain people that really seem to invoke it, but it doesn't happen a lot. But that's the substance of first love. Uh-huh. Uh, Tom, if I may come in here, and uh, the question I have is, in fact, a very simple one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one uh, a v- very simple but precise <laughs> term that you used. I just want to ask you. Uh, you, you, you used the, the term deep relationship, Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question that arose in me, uh, so what's the depth about? Well, uh, when we, everyone talks about having a deep relationship, but you can mean a lot of things by uh, this deep thing. So from, from your perspective, when, when we develop a relationship that is not superficial, but really has depth, what are we really talking about? Because I think as we uh, really want to come to the simple question here, what is a mature relationship? Depth plays a real role here. And, yeah, what are we talking about when we say having a deep relationship? Right. So deep relationship, and the way I would use mature relationship, those two heavily correlate. But to get a little bit uh, more nuanced than that, to what do we mean by a deep relationship is, you know, it involves the idea of presence And I know that's a little granular. Mm. But the way I would define presencing is in any moment, I'm aware of where I am and I'm aware of how I'm interfacing with another person Mm -hmm. and how their communication and body language is impacting me and how I'm impacting them. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can feel that dance emerge. I mean, even as we talk, we can feel the synergy developing as we're having a multitude of thoughts and we're sharing. So one of the techniques I had mentioned to you before we started was, you know, when we're watching movies and it becomes a very poignant emotional moment in the movie. And we're beginning to cry because it hits us so deeply. 
One of the practices I'm having a lot of success with is to make an agreement with our partner that when that happens, I'm going to stop the movie and I'm going to hold eye contact with my partner for 30 seconds. And what I'm doing in that moment is I'm grooving, I'm, I'm creating a pathway in the relationship of deeper connection by using an external source of energy to develop it. Mm. Interesting. That's beautiful. I, I, it, it actually brings to mind um, another sense of presence that that uh, uh, than 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 where you started. That I think, but I think that's where you want to go, which is is a, a presence that is a like a shared field between us, not, not simply me and, and uh, me and my thoughts and aware of you and your thoughts, like from a witnessing place, but co-presencing, realizing that we are, we are at the deepest level, not separate. And, and that it's true in intimate relationship. It's also true in any uh, deep spiritual context, but, but that, that core non-separation that 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 your eyes and my eyes are on on from, are are seeing from different perspectives, but are in the same thing together. Wow, that was nicely nuanced. I love that. Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. We're using an external source of energy just to lay down that initial pathway. So yes, we're we're. Even though we're witnessing something outside of us, third party, if you will, I'm, I'm finding that it has the effect of calming down that physiology so I can absolutely hold that presence. I can hold the energy going through the circuitry, if you will. You know, I'm developing that, uh, the robustness of that pathway so that we're not looking away, we're not giggling out of it. A lot of times I see couples giggle out of it. And I tell them, this is just the energy that wants to connect, but you're not feeling safe with. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh, the question that arises uh, in, in me here is, when we talk about couple relationship, uh, there's a certain intimacy that goes uh, beyond the moment, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, th- this kind of being together in 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 depth in a moment, um, to be honest, I experienced uh, with people I uh, never had a uh, kind of a committed relationship with, and uh, they were beautiful, beautiful moments, and yeah. and uh, that, that that's something that's that's part of the fun of life, also part of the beauty of life. But when we talk about couple relationship. Uh, this kind of sharing a moment together holds much more than just uh, the, this moment in that sense. So when we talk about maturity in a couple relationship, uh, we also talk about uh, that we are here, we are kind of uh, together in something, and we, we, we hold something that we are together committed to. Is this part of where the maturity comes in or what's what makes a mature couple relationship mature in that sense? Um, 
there's a lot of things. There's, uh, remember, Wilbur likes to say the quality of showing up is contingent upon doing a lot of cleaning up, a lot of growing up, and adding some waking up. And so you need two people that are relatively comfortable with internal space. You know, if it's very new for them, that level of exposure, they're going to overreact to it. They're going to contract. You know, rather than showing up in open space, they're contracting both physiologically, emotionally, because the material is so new for them. But the mature couple is familiar with their interior world, and there's a lot of self-acceptance so that if something new emerges in that space, um, they're not overreacting to it. They're going, wow, say more. But that takes a level of maturity. And the other thing you, you touched on, Thomas, is we know that Doing this with strangers is a little easier than our intimate partner. And I love my wife, Christine. What she told me, she nuanced this to help me understand why it's easier with a stranger than it is with our intimate partner. She said to me, Tom, I need to be able to compartmentalize the less than perfect experiences I've had with you to be able to show up in that moment. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? It's very beautiful. Yeah. So I love that. That really helped me understand, you know, more and more what's going on in these moments that it wants to emerge. And the hunger people have for this level of connection, going back to the couple line. So even if they're at the relational level, they still look back to safety and attraction, and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to these moments of presence and being able to really develop that pathway. Because one of the injunctions, one of the techniques is once you've done about two or three movies, poignant movies, then you become aware of, like I love catching Christine's eye when I'm saying goodbye in the morning, Christine, and I'm looking at her in a way And she always does this body reorientation, and I can feel her connecting in that space. That's beyond a perfunctory kiss or beyond just a goodbye. Mm. It's kind of like we're reigniting that space that if I hope people don't have an allergic reaction to the word sacred. Mm. Mm. I'm reigniting that space with just the look. Mm. Have you had that experience? Yes. Oh, yeah. Very much so. And it's interesting uh, that you're bringing this word sacred. In fact, <laughs> it plays quite a role in uh, uh, in our relationship. And if I may share something, and uh, for uh, uh, our relationship between Elizabeth and my, myself, and I'm very curious what, what you think about that, because we, we have a very unusual starting of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we uh, uh, basically started our intimate relationship, we knew each other and worked together for 17 years. Wow. Uh, wow. We, uh, which was uh, in our, basically the same work, uh, kind of uh, the, where our work came from, the work that we are doing right now. 
So we were kind of committed to something that uh, that we are committed since quite a while together before we started this uh, intimate relationship. And to be very uh, frank, uh, uh, it was Elizabeth who asked uh, uh, if we want to go into a relationship. And I was hesitant in the beginning uh, because, and that, that's what I said, it was my first response. I was, no. <laughs> because I was scared that we would lose our friendship. Right, because it gets a lot more complicated exactly. uh, when you do that. And it's an agreement that I always tell people when you marry somebody, your two-year-old shows up, your three-year-old shows up, your four-year-old. I mean, you're marrying the whole developmental history. <laughs> but, but I think what, what was interesting was, was that, that that was the point. The point was on this solid ground, what could we do that would be there would be freeing and where we could meet the entire family. If you want to talk about the developmental two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old and hold that in, in the context that we had developed with each other. And I I think it's, 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 uh, it's interesting. I think one of the things that, that Thomas has, has taught me, and I think it relates to something you said before Tom is is the the recognition that the things that I find irritating about him and that he finds irritating about me are often a kind of flip side or 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 some different version of 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 something pro- profoundly positive that is is why he is who he is or why I am the way I am. Absolutely. And, and and that's the that's part of part of the beauty in a sense. Right is what what we find irritating across the relationship. You know, it's either a shadow element about him or a shadow element about ourselves. And if we don't overreact to that, and we keep tracing it down and looking for it, then it becomes an emergent that can add even more subtlety and awareness in the relationship. None of this stuff is random. It's really an unfolding. It's just that we don't have maps to keep up with the complexity that wants to evolve. Mm. But what you just said there is a much deeper nuance than the the couple can do because that type of an issue would become a catastrophic for some, many couples, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think part of what uh, the learning experience of being a couple uh, is about and where uh, there's uh, so much to learn about is that both of us are, are coming in, in our complexity. And as Elizabeth said, basically uh, our, let's call them weak sides and our strong sides mm-hmm. are closely connected. They don't, uh, you, uh, they they have a they create an inherent whole, and to be able to to see that uh, our the, the the way where we go through our also difficult conflicts uh, is to 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 see that the, that the other is holding something uh, that is may, maybe a very difficult provocation for me, but is also part of why I am with her. Right. It's, it's evolutionary. People have the fantasy that they married the wrong person. But when I see couples, it always makes sense why they're together. 
<laughs> you can see they both have aspects the other one needs, but they don't have the pathways, either at a communication level or a perceptual level, in order to benefit from the skills the other person has. But, you know, we got to remember, we spent eons at the role stage. The relational stage, stage three, mm-hmm. only came on 50 years ago. Right. And we're actually daring, like, you guys are probably here floating up the first slub quite frequently. And I love that because it's, it's providing a beacon for other people to see where you recapture the enchantment. It's mm-hmm. not back at safety and attraction. It's a head to the fifth stage spiritual love where I've never seen a couple at. Mm. I've never seen a couple at that level. Mm. Because the maturity you have to have, you know, that you, you've already said, Thomas, a couple of things that you do well, like you even intimated, problem solving goes well with you guys because you're not resorting to projection right off the spot. Mm. Right. I, I, I mean, it, 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 some, it, it, it sometimes takes a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, what, inner spaciousness in order to hold that. <laughs> um, and for one thing, one thing I, I was I was really curious about is is that Thomas said when he when he did uh, when he spoke with you f- at first, you were surprised that Thomas was in relationship. You didn't know that he was in relationship, but you had seen us in a workshop that we co-led together, and I think yeah. I'm probably on stage at the Integral European Conference presenting yeah. together. But you didn't think that he and I were were partners, I guess. And I, I I thought that was really interesting. Because I'm sure as a couples therapist, you have a real nose for couples. Well, I, I, I think you two, you know, both doing the workshop and doing the, one of those keynote lectures, uh, I mean, the energy you were putting out was probably pretty intense. It didn't look like couple energy to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was a little bit surprised because I remember you presented together and then you said that. And, I mean, that was really a little surprised, but I didn't see it. You're right. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, I think it is because of, of, of what we are grounded in, which is not couple, but it isn't separate either. And I, I think that that's, uh, I think that's, that's part of the foundation of, of our relationship that allows us to have a, a lot of space with each other in all of the ins and outs of, of, of two people living, working, being together as intensely as, as we are. Right. Both of you have obviously been done enough individual work and growth so that when you show up in unison, you're bringing a lot online. You're, you're calming that physiology, uh, that subtle awareness is really peaking. You know, you're willing to play in that space that everyone's hungry for. Hmm. But it, it's trying to get people aware of how they sabotage the very thing they yearn for. Yeah. Mm. And I'm constantly doing that. And I, I'm learning how to structure. I'm calling it pixie dusting couples. Do you, do you remember what pixie dusting comes out of? Yeah, yeah, Tinkerbell. Yeah, right. <laughs> Peter Pan? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the Never Never Land and, again, and, and empowers people with skills they don't have. Like flying and the, the, the mythology of it. <clears throat> but what I'm finding with couples 
even when I introduce some of the skills of uh, first love or spiritual love, like when I make them aware of how transparency, you can settle down transparency so you don't feel overexposed, mm. that it seems to provide an incentive for them to do better mm-hmm. and reorient them to where they're headed. Mm-hmm. And that's been really exciting is to dialogue with people that understand this stuff like you and Thomas, and then to bring it into the Petri dish, into the couple relationship, and actually find injunctions, find methods to make it real on the ground. Mm-hmm. As we also are slowly approaching the end here, uh, mm-hmm. that there's one question um, I really would like to ask because it, it holds one of my assumptions, and I, I really would like to to see what you think about this assumption. And uh, basically, if, if if you think that just doesn't hold, I'm I'm really interested in your opinion. <laughs> but also that a mature relationship or the maturity of a relationship basically comes in the end from. And it doesn't matter if it's an intimate relationship or any other relationship, but it's particularly difficult with an intimate relationship that you're together in something that's much bigger than you and the two of you. Right. Right. The potential of this relationship is so much bigger because when you can work with another person that holds presence, they can accelerate your growth. Like one of the ways we know that, it's always easier, Elizabeth, for you to see Thomas's issues than your own. And it's that metaphor of you can't see the forest because of the trees. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so one of the reasons I like being married to a psychologist is that her feedback is not very uncertain. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. But there's a gentleness and maturity about it. Like we, we have this role rule of do you want feedback? And we honor that yes or no to preserve the safety of the relationship. Otherwise, the overexposure and the intrusion would be enormous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once you have those structures online, <clears throat> the potential of two people together is synergistic. And, mm-hmm. of course, we understand that it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it accelerates what wants to emerge. But you're right. It's all based on maturity in how you show up uh, in any moment. John, uh, we are a little over time already, and uh, we just started the conversation, I feel, but still we have to come to an end. I think... Uh, we did cover quite some of the territory and also how an integral lens helps to understand what the maturation of relationship can be about in the different stages. And also how I would say relationship is really a learning ground that is particularly fruitful for all of us, because uh, as you put it, the whole family shows up in our intimate relationships. It's not just my self, it's my whole self with all of it that shows up and we have to deal with it. And that, of course, is not easy all the time, but it also allows to grow in all of that. Mm-hmm. I just want to thank you very much for your perspective in this. And um, I appreciate very much you coming to the show and uh, sharing with you how, from an integralist point of view, relationship can be 
become more mature because I think that's something that the world needs from all of us. Mm. Yeah, thank yes. you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate this opportunity to share uh, this work. Um, and I appreciate we're doing this in English. And mm -hmm. hello to all my German friends. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who's listening to this. And a good evening from here in Frankfurt. Bye now. Bye.